All right, let's go ahead and get started. Um, we are going to touch on vitamin and mineral and fluid requirements today before we get into uh, body mass index, calculating lean mass, waist and hip ratio. I'll be performing some calculations today as well as looking at calculations that you can perform as a trainer, looking at body mass, looking at uh, body fat percentage, using uh, measurements, uh, maybe, uh, has anyone ever seen one of these before at a gym? So these are pretty typical. Uh, it gives us pretty quick results, but um, there are some um, guidelines that you have to do, and we'll talk about those guidelines, like pre-testing guidelines, like not eating, not drinking caffeine, stuff like that. So a lot of people might get mixed results if you have, again, what is that validity or reliability are we um, affecting if we change the circumstances that validity or reliability. Anybody know what the difference? Uh, validity. So validity would be how we measure, what we measure. So this would be, so there's different types of validities for body fat measurement, which would be body fat analyzer, um, the bod pod, right? Um, there's going underwater tanks. There's uh, skin fold measurements. Those are, that would, that would be uh, valid or that would assess for validity because those are um, you know, calculated, those are research-based, like they've been you know, stuck in stone. But reliability is you know, having caffeine before you take the test and then not having caffeine the next time or eating before the test and not eating before the next test. So making sure that you have reliability in your test, that you're doing the same exact thing each time you perform a test, okay? So we'll go over those guidelines, what you have to make sure, especially if you're using one of these, because these can be off, I think, four to 6%, maybe three to 6%. We'll, we'll go over that in the slide, that'll get you a better uh, understanding. But first, let's talk about vitamin, mineral, and uh, fluid requirements, okay? We brushed up on this, and hopefully you've been um, looking at this as well. Uh, we'll also talk about iron and, and, and why that's important. Okay, so if you don't remember, um, vitamins A, K, E, and D are your fat-soluble vitamins. They are stored where? In what? Fat, okay. So we need fat, that's why we need 30% of our diet to be able to hold vitamins, right? Okay, C and B, those are the water-soluble vitamins that get flushed out every 12 hours. That's why you need vitamins A or vitamins C and B every single day, right? Grains, uh, nuts, uh, you get them in green leafy vegetables, citrus fruits. So vitamins release energy from food and maintain homeostasis, but it is not, uh, we don't use vitamins as energy, they're non-essential energy ingredients. So, yes? Wait, so what happens if you don't get C and B every day? So C is um, C and B are really important. Well, B really important for energy metabolism. C uh, is really important for your immune function. C is really important for um, just overall health and longevity. I know that uh, sailors weren't getting vitamin C on ships back in the day, so they get scurvy, and they, it's very susceptible to get getting diseases when you don't get vitamin C. Um, vitamin A we know is really good for um, skin health. E um, or sorry, A really good for eye health, E is really good for skin health, K is good for blood clotting, and D is really good for your bones. 
Um, antioxidants, so you've heard of antioxidants, A, uh, all of our vitamins pretty much give us antioxidants which prevent damage from free radicals. Um, and then there's higher deficiencies in D and B6. Um, D because a lot of people don't get enough sunlight or um, they're either just not eating foods that have vitamin D like eggs and, and, and fishes and stuff like that. Uh, B6, uh, really important for energy metabolism as well. All the B vitamins are really important for energy metabolism. Uh, minerals, constitutes the enzymes and hormones, okay, structural components of bone and teeth like calcium, um, regulate metabolism, actions of the heart nervous system and muscles, and average diet can, uh, tends to meet all needs except calcium and iron. So most people don't get enough calcium and iron in their diet. Uh, especially women when it comes to iron. Um, so calcium, uh, as you see, as we're an infant, uh, 200 milligrams to 1,000. Once we get to uh, four to eight, we wanna get about 1,000. Males, about 1,300 from nine to 13, 14 to 18, same, as amount, same amount, 1,300. Females, nine to 13, you're going up to 1,300. Pregnancy, still 1,300. But basically, thinking about 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams per day during adulthood, okay? Um, it's gonna help with bone integrity and maintenance. It's gonna lower your risk of osteoporosis, osteopenia, and then osteoarthritis. So osteoarthritis would be the worst out of the bunch, or rheumatoid arthritis would be the worst out of that bunch. <clears throat> Iron, so this is the most common nutrient deficiency worldwide, if you didn't know. It involves oxygen transport, hemoglobin, energy levels and metabolism. There's heme versus non-heme. Um, adult males, eight milligrams per day. Adult females, 18 milligrams per day uh, because of menstruation. So women need more iron uh, each month because they lose some. And then anemia, a lack of uh, iron, chronic fatigue, shortness of breath, appetite loss, pale skin and dizziness, and fast heart rate. So there's different sources, heme and non-heme. I'm not sure if there's gonna be a slide on that. I think it's in our notes. We can go back over that. Uh, electrolytes, we have sodium chloride, potassium, and magnesium. Really important for performance, especially for athletes, getting these uh, electrolytes before, during, and after games, especially for uh, muscle um, contraction. We know calcium is really important, and also potassium, magnesium, stuff like that. Um, decreased performance if we don't have enough electrolytes. Um, we have fluid loss, which reduces blood plasma and which just disrupts our cellular fluid intake. Uh, water, uh, I like to say, or uh, maybe half your body weight in, in ounces per day, or 2.7 liters for adult women, or 3.7 liters for adult men. And then let's go ahead and somebody do a conversion for 3.7 liters to gallons. Anybody want to get a calculator out for me? and? Or Google that and see what we get. 3.7 liters with us, 3.7 liters equal to gallons. One gallon. One gallon. Okay, so about a gallon. So how many ounces in a gallon? 128, right? Okay, 128 ounces in one gallon. Um, divide that up by how many hours you're awake and see if you can get that amount of ounces per hour, right? Or make sure that you have a gallon jug. I know not a lot of people like to bring a gallon jug. I used to do that, but I knew I was getting my water in. 
like water bottles. I brought this in because this is 250 milliliters, and we're gonna talk about why that's important um, when you start losing water during your workout, because you wanna replenish 250 milliliters or half a bottle of water for every 15 minutes uh, once you're in um, competition. I want like a TED talk about like how a gallon a day is too much water. Okay. And is that, like, is that true, I guess? Well, it could be, it could be true depending on the person, yeah. right? I mean, if you're not active and you're drinking a ton of water, you're losing electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it could, it could be, you know, but honestly, people that can even get to a, a gallon a day isn't, I mean, we just saw, you know, 3.7 liters is for men. So um, if a woman was drinking a gallon of water a day, that would probably be too much. So it wouldn't be the case for everybody. Plus body size as well has a factor. Um, what you do for a living has a factor, how much you actually perform. So, I mean, there's probably some truth to that. Uh, exercise, dietary factors, medications, hot human environment, increase the needs. Okay. Uh, losses in sweat can equal two liters an hour among athletes acclimated to the heat. <clears throat> so, water created by metabolism, you have 200 and 300 milligrams. Uh, food will give us 700 to 1,000 milligrams, and then liquids that we consume will give us 1,000 to 1,500 uh, milliliters, sorry. And that's gonna be how we basically get our water. So we create water by metabolism, we get it in food, and we get it in our liquids, okay? Um, coffee is a liquid, so that is gonna be considered uh, water. Uh, egg whites is gonna be considered water. Um, uh, strawberries and watermelon and melon and grapes those are gonna be high in water like almost all water so if someone is or someone doesn't get enough water and you can tell and you can see the the markers for dehydration just giving them food options that have more water in them or if they don't like water maybe trying to find some stevia or some product that helps them drink more water okay water output 32% we sweat out through our skin, 50% we um, urinate out, and then we lungs, expiration, 13%, and feces is about 5%. Dehydration, so once we uh, lose 1%, or once we're 1%, I guess, deficient in water, our, we start to become dehydrated. At 2%, we start to reduce performance. So if you're going to the gym, and you're only 2% uh, off when it comes to dehydration, then you're gonna be re uh, have a reduced performance. 4% can reduce work capacity by 20 to 30%, 5% can, uh, can risk of heat illness and serious issues, and then chronic dehydration like gastritis, inflammation of the stomach, heartburn, arthritis, kidney stones, premature aging can all occur if you're constantly dehydrated. Okay, so it's really important, obviously, to drink enough water and it's probably debatable to drink too much water, right? <clears throat> Early signs, so just being tired, headaches, lightheadedness, heat intolerance, dry mouth or cough, flushed skin, appetite loss, dark urine with strong odor. Urine is probably gonna be your best predictor of whether or not you're hydrated or not. If someone that goes to the bathroom after you says, man, that stunk, your pee, that means you're probably really dehydrated. Okay, you know, once you have wives and husbands, and you'll realize that you know, you're gonna be smelling each other's urine in the, in the bathrooms. And so if it's dehydrated, you're gonna, you're gonna definitely know. So you can tell yourself 
if you're dehydrated just by, based on the color alone and then also having a strong odor, okay? Asparagus. Asparagus, yeah, that, that, that does, it has a, like a chemical breakdown and it, and it reeks, right? Yeah, is that, is that the only food that does that? Like that. Coffee, yeah, you get a little coffee. Yeah, I mean, if, if you only, if who's drinking coffee and not drinking any water after and going to the bathroom, like, yep, I definitely had coffee. Yep. So, hydration level, we want to maintain properly um, clear, we want clear urine, okay? Dehydrated, even if there's a little bit of yellow or um, starts to um, become you know, maybe a little bit more yellow. And then obviously if it's in that orange, yellowish color, that's gonna be severely dehydrated, okay? You need immediate attention. So hydration level charts, uh, really important to uh, educate your clients and your, and your athletes especially. Athletes, really important to make sure that they're getting enough water and that they're um, getting it before they work out as well. So 400 to 600 milliliters. So again, we have 500 milliliters here, so about 20 minutes before your workout, you should have at least one bottle of water. During a workout that's about less than 60 minutes, you want 250 milliliters or half a bottle every 15 minutes, okay? Every 10 minutes if you're sweating heavily and it's like long distance duration training or something like that. Okay, so think about by the end of your hour workout, you should have gone through how many of these? About two, yep, okay. During prolonged and heat fluids with electrolytes, so if I was out in the heat, I would wanna make sure that I had electrolytes in my water, maybe a little bit of Gator, watered down Gatorade or Gatorade itself with four to 8% carbohydrate, which is what most uh, products have, like Gatorade and Powerade. Post-exercise, about 500 milliliters for each pound loss. So if you weigh yourself before exercise and you're 200 pounds and then after, you're 199, then you wanna make sure that you have at least a bottle of water. But let's say you go in, you lose three pounds and you need three bottles of water, okay? So that's important to note too. So you can weigh yourself before to see how much water you're losing or to make sure you're not losing water, right? To make sure that you are keeping up with your water. So you could weigh your client before you work out and be like, all right, we're gonna make sure that you stay at your weight by the end of our workout because I know that you have a hard time staying hydrated. So we're gonna make sure you're hydrated. We're gonna make sure that you don't fall behind with like two pounds of weight because we're gonna make sure that you're drinking water. <clears throat> Exercise and hydration. So um, <clears throat> once we're at more than a thousand milliliters per hour of fluid loss, um, we wanna take in about 250 milliliters every 15 minutes if we're doing that per hour or if it's um, more than that, then every 10 minutes, okay? So if you're um, losing about 1,000 milliliters per hour, then you wanna make sure that you're getting water or half a bottle every 10 minutes. If it's high intensity, if it's moderate intensity, then every 15 minutes. Okay, so that's just a quick overview of vitamin, mineral, and fluid requirements. We're gonna talk a little bit about BMI. We're gonna do some calculations today. I have a video for us, uh, and then we have one more class on um, body weight management and um, these assessments that we're learning as far as body fat index, or body mass index, and um, some lean mass index. So we're going to look at my height weight. I have it at 300 pounds here. I'm going to put in my weight 
at 2.05, and I want you to guess where I'm going to be on the BMI scale. Like a number? Yeah, one number. Uh, if 300 is 38.5, what do you think 205 is going to be? Like 26. 26? 24? 24? 25? 26. 26 and a half? 25. 25. 24? 23. 25. Wow, I'm getting lean here. 26. 26? When I saw it. When we first saw it. He's exempt. I didn't say anything. Easy. 23 and a half. 23. All right, let's see where I'm at. Hopefully I'm normal. Hopefully it's not overweight. Here we go. This is just calculator.net. Oh, I'm overweight. I got to lose weight, right? Um, so um, lean mass can have effect on your BMI scale. And the point of this was to show you that it, you know, am I overweight? According to BMI, I am, but when we go over calculating lean mass and we look at my body fat percentage today, we're going to find out if I'm at least average or normal in those ranges, right? <clears throat> so <clears throat> let's first talk about skin folds and how to estimate body fat percentage. So if you look on Canvas, I updated your modules and I added some lab content. So if you don't have the lab manual associated to this class, I did add them to some modules, okay? So remember that training instruction packet that I handed y'all? Okay, so that is gonna be uh, right here, resistant training techniques, PDF, and then I have a movement applications PDF that's gonna be in module two. Uh, if I were you, I would probably download every PowerPoint, every PDF from this class um, and put it on a hard drive. Um, so that you have it all. And if you ever want to teach a module to your clients or to your facility, you're going to have all this stuff available, even if you don't have it later on. Um, so for exercise physiology, I also have a PDF in there. I just added screening and evaluation. I added in the muscular fitness testing and the health appraisal and screening PDFs. For nutrition, I added in a nutrition um, lab um, pamphlet in there which goes over um, how to read labels um, and then for module six weight management I added in the body composition metabolism and the anthropometric measurements which are um, non-invasive measurements that's what that means non-invasive measurements okay I had to google that one um, so going into body composition metabolism uh, one way um, we can do that to look for body fat is the use skin fold sites. Okay, and so we, we'll just look at the examples today. We're not going to actually do this in class. Um, this is something that is a little bit more sensitive for people. This is something that we would do probably one on one with a client. Um, and they would have to be the one probably initiating it for you. You, you don't want to push this on too many people. Um, some clients that you've had for a while that feel comfortable with you may say yes to this. Uh, most of the people that are going to want this are, are people that are really concerned about body fat, and that's going to be your bodybuilders, right, that are trying to lose body fat, or people that are just generally curious. So, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea for everyone to get this done, but not everyone wants to know by getting pinched by someone and then having it calculated. There's, there's some easier ways like this right here 
and then also waist to hip ratio, uh, and then um, some um, Cunningham uh, we'll, call, we'll go to a little bit later. So we have our skinfold sights, okay? <clears throat> Let's go up here. So locate the correct sex-specific anatomical location. So there is uh, different ones for men and women. Okay, the chart and images on 286 in your book, if you have it, uh, will illustrate the detailed description of the male and female sites. Refer to these when locating correct sex-specific skinfold locations. Once this site has been identified, mark the site with an erasable marker so that you can return to the exact location for subsequent measurements. So you'd want to put a dot on that, pe that area of skin where you measure. <clears throat> this will also show you, this will also allow you to become more proficient at site identification, increase test reliability. Remember, reliability is doing the same thing the second time over and then keeping it consistent. Validity is the actual measurements that we're looking at and why are they valid? Because they're usually research-based. No, you may need to wipe the area of oil, sweat, or lotions before marking the site. So a lot of times when we're working with skin, if it's slippery, sweaty, obviously it wouldn't be something you'd want to do after a workout. Um, someone puts like tanning oil on, that's going to slip right off. Um, so we're looking at the Jackson and Pollock sex-specific skinfold sites for men, chest, abdominals, thighs, women, triceps, suprailiac, and thigh, okay? The specific locations for the suprailiac, right above the iliac crest of the hip, right here for women, and then for the, the men, it's gonna be right next to the belly button, like literally like right next to the belly button, okay? <clears throat> um, for the men, for the thigh, it's gonna be in the upper thigh area right here, Okay, mid-axillary, they have some other sites that you can take, but for this specific one, they only have three for each. Um, I think they're showing you different sites because there are skinfold uh, measurements. I'm not sure the exact names offhand, but they will look at all the sites. And so there's an eight-point site test, there's a three-point site test, and NCSF has concluded that the three-site test is just as good as the eight-point, and they, they do that more for simplicity. But I'm sure there's some people who are like, no, I want all mine analyzed, because then you can say, all right, well, my right thigh is this, my left thigh is this, my right calf is this, and you can just kind of figure out where all your body fat really is. For me, and for most people, it's gonna be here. Um, they actually don't do that. Oh, um, in between the shoulder blades, or between the shoulder blade and back, that's gonna be another area where you're gonna find a lot of uh, subcutaneous fat. Um, uh, this area is going to be a little bit meatier, and then obviously this area is going to have the most um, um, centimeters, okay? <clears throat> so I think they, it's not done in centimeters, it's done in, um, I think, uh, millimeters. So, So let's just pretend that we're, we're going over the chest, abdominal, and thigh for man. All right, so if I were to check right here for me, and I'm going to kind of tell you what we're, we're working here. Well, let's see here. So it is a millimeter. Um, what do you all think this would be right here? How many millimeters do you think that is? If I pinch this right here. What do you think? All right. 
what you do is you pull it until you get that. I mean, you don't pull the muscle. You kind of pull the skin, and that's what you would pinch right there if I was, if I was going for the bicep. Now, for the, for the chest, at that angle, at the chest. Okay, so for me right here, it's probably like three, four, okay? Tricep, probably a little more, four or five. Chest right here is gonna be probably eight right here for me. Now, if I was looking at eight for chest, abdominal right next to the, uh, the belly button, 10, 12, maybe 15, okay? Uh, and then if I'm looking at the thigh, which would go, looks like it's right in the middle here, I'd say, let's just call that seven, okay? So let's go chest, what I say for chest? Eight, okay, what I say for abdominal? 12 or 15, let's go, let's go, let's go eight chest, 13 abdominal, and eight thigh. So let's go ahead and add up eight, 13, and eight. So I'm gonna, phone, eight plus 13 plus eight, unless you can do that. In 29. 29, divided by three. 23.6. 23.6, okay. So if we're at 23.6, okay, I'm at a mod moderate risk, if that was the case. Okay, obviously we're not really calculating with calipers right now, but that's how you would use that equation, okay? So you would obviously wanna do each test three times to make sure that your averages come out, and then you add the sum of the averages, okay? So that's a pretty easy way to find out um, using the calculating the lean mass and target weight formula, um, the first thing we need to do is determine BMI, okay? Um, there is a way to calculate it beside um, the Harris, uh, no, the Harris-Benedict equation is RMR. Um, but BMI, what you would do is you'd measure and record the subject's weight and height, but this time we're taking the height and we're turning it into meters. Okay, so for example, if we have a 150 pound female, we divide her weight into 2.2, which is 68 uh, kilograms, and we multiply her uh, height in inches times 0.254, which gives us 1.778 meters. Okay, looking at the uh, calculations here, 5'10", 150 pound female, okay, we put that in divided by um, 70 inches squared times 703. Uh, 150 divided by 4,900 times 703. And then BMI is going to be 0 0.0306 times 703, which gives us 21.5. Okay, and looking at uh, BMI, where is that individual on the BMI scale? We're at 21. Yep, we're at normal. Okay. All right. Now we can look at the calculating the lean mass, but first we need to look at the bioelectric bioelectrical impedance or the measuring scale to look at body fat percentage. 
So this measures resistance to an electrical current ran through body tissues. Um, greater resistance equals more fat. So it will come back to you if there's a lot of resistance, it'll come back slower. If there's um, less resistance, it'll come back faster and you'll show that you have less fat. Many instruments and equations exist with varying accuracy and handheld devices are popular in gym. So some of the guidelines, no eating or drinking within four hours of the test. I've checked off that guideline. No exercise or strenuous work within 12 hours of the test. I've checked that off. No alcohol consumption for at least 24 hours before the test. I have checked that off. I don't drink alcohol, rarely, ever. If possible, avoid the bowel and bladder before assessment. Let's see. Um, yeah, I haven't done that lately or recently. Avoid testing during menstruation. I don't have to worry about that. Diuretic medications will invalidate the test. All right. I believe caffeine is on there, and I've had caffeine this morning. So that would be one thing I'd have to tell my trainer if they were doing this with me. Um, I saw something that said if you drink alcohol, it um, like takes away your ability to burn fat for like 36 hours or something. Or... I would say it would be harder to burn uh -huh. fat because your liver has to work overtime in order to process that. So you might shuttle mm -hmm. fat when you eat simple sugars because you're you, because of the alcohol. So there might be some validity to that. That's something that might be more debatable. Than, okay. that's, that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's just not a lot. I mean, there's right. probably some truth to it, but then um, there's probably not whole truths in there. Okay. It's not it's not stopping you from losing, but it's probably pushing slowing you, yeah, yeah, slowing things down. Yeah, slowing metabolism down. Um, toxicity levels are high, so your body's gotta get that out, your liver's gotta process it, which usually wants to process other things, you know. All right, so let's go ahead and do this for me. I'm gonna set this. Uh, so should I do normal? Should I do, let's see here. Normal, should I do normal, athlete? Should I do normal or athlete? No, they have the same one. And they never worked. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it might not work. And that either. guy that wore the web feeder would use it every day. Oh, yeah. He wanted to know what his back, back percentage was every day. So I'm going, I'm clicking up to 6-2. I'm actually 6-1-3-4, so I'm actually going to push that. So how much do I weigh? 205. All right, so I'm pushing it up to 205. The reason why I'm, do, I'm being the example is so that we don't have to do this with everybody. 38, pretty sure. Sex, male, set. Now I'm gonna hold on to this, I just need someone to press start. Okay, so I'll have Carter press start. Now you have to have a good grip. <laughs> you have to have a good grip and not let go and have a consistent grip, okay? And, you, and when you do it yourself, you, a lot of times you'll press start and then grip, which is that going to be reliable? Are you doing that yourself? No. Okay, so hands are getting sweaty. <laughs> I don't want to have any. Make sure my hands are dry. All right. Getting nervous. I might not tell anybody. All right, go. Press start. Do it. So it blanks at normal. Normal. 
18.3. Okay, so it says I'm pretty fat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 18.3 is 26.5 on the BMI. Okay, so 18.3, that could be off 3 to 4% either way. I could be 15% body fat, I could be 21% body fat. Okay, I would say, I'd say, yeah, maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably right there right now. So from that 18.3 percentage, what we'll do is we'll calculate my lean mass. All right, but let's go ahead. I think there is a, a fat or a, a body fat. Let's see if it's in here. Okay, so here we go. So essential body fat, you need to know, men, 3 to 5% you have to have or you'll have major shutdown in bodily functions, nervous system-wise. And women, we need to be at 11 to 14.9. It needs to be higher for women um, uh, due to um, um, you know, menstrual uh, concerns and then also if you, if you get, become pregnant, you want your body fat to be at least in the healthy range for women, which would be, you know, 19 to 23, really, if, you're, if, you're gonna, if you want to be pregnant. Because in the lean and essential range for body fat in women, you start to lose your period, uh, menstrual cycle, which can alter your cycle forever. You know, if you, you get to a point where you're under weight or you have low body fat percentage and you're a woman, you might not get that cycle back the way it started, okay? And so I've ex I know people that have experienced that, so it's really important for women not to go below 15% body fat, all right? So for men, I'm, if I'm at 18.3, I'm, I'm in a healthy, healthy range, okay? Um, could I be, could I have 15, could I be at 15.9 right now? Maybe. I could be there if I were to, you know, do this again and, and maybe do the calipers and really go nitty gritty. Maybe I could get that down or maybe it goes up, who knows. Okay, so I'm in a healthy range, so I feel pretty good about that because the BMI was in the overweight, overweight range. Now, if I was at a moderate risk, let's just say this, this said 24 and I was overweight, then, then yes, then I'm not hiding anything. Or I am, I am, you know, it, it is what it is. So we want to be in a healthy range here, 16 to 19.9. Um, leanest I've probably gotten is probably six, it was like 6.4 at one point. Um, you know, bare, felt very light, uh, you know, didn't feel that strong though, felt really quick, but you know, that was when I was surfing like every single day and probably not eating enough and not drinking enough water. Um, so let's go ahead and calculate the lean mass, and then we'll go to waist to hip ratio. So if I am 205 pounds, and is this gonna be in kilograms? Let's see, let me make sure. Okay, so it is weight in pounds. <clears throat> All right, 
So I was at 205 pounds with, let's just put 18.3% body fat. So 205, someone do the calculation, times 0.18. Yeah, just do, let's just do 18 times 0.18. 205 times 0.18. 36.9. Let's just say it's 37. Okay. So what's 205 minus 37? 168. So we go 205, my weight, minus 168. So 205 minus 168 is 37. Okay, so I have 37 pounds of lean mass. Let's see, let's line it up right. Set 205 minus 168. 205 times 0.18. Oh, let's see here. Yeah. 205 times 0.18 is 36.9. Okay. 205 minus 36.9 is. One sixty-eight. So that would be one hundred and sixty-eight pounds of lean mass out of that two hundred and five pounds. Okay, so that's how you do that. You got it right. All right. Waist to hip ratio. This is another way to calculate body mass. Okay. Looking at um, some calculations here, and we'll pull that up. <coughs> Again, you have all these pamphlets and PDFs. Let's see if we can find it. Waist to hip. All right. Okay, so waist is going to be uh, next to the umbilicus, I believe, for identifying the site. So waist should be measured across exposed skin at the narrowest point between the lower margin of the least palpable rib and the top of the iliac crest. Okay, hip should be measured over the spandex or tight-fitting clothing around the widest portion of the buttocks with the tape parallel to the floor. Make note of clothing or take picture to remind the subject to wear the same clothing for repeated measures. So not all, not all clients are going to want us to do this on our bare skin. Okay, so let's go ahead and measure uh, waist to hip. All right, and this, is this in centimeters or, or uh, inches? Centimeters, okay. So we're gonna go waist first. And it says that we are going to have the subject stand with their feet close together, arms at the side, and body weight evenly distributed across the feet. 
Subject should be relaxed and the measurement should be taken at the end of a normal expiration. So you take an inhale, exhale, and then you measure. So we got 90 here. Let's go ahead and put that down. the low, moderate, high, or very high uh, range for body mass? Low. Very, yep, low. Okay. So these would be some ways that you can um, look at, you know, the girth, body fat estimation of the body. We also had the two to three girth estimation. Okay. This one is a... Um, where we're going to look at the neck, the waist, and the, um, the hip circumference, which um, a little bit different, right? You're looking at the neck, going around the neck, waist and hip. And then there is a, uh, a calculator in your book that actually helps you find uh, this calculation, okay? So this is just another way that you can um, estimate for body fat prevent body fat percentage, okay? Uh, if you wanna review that one on your own, you can. We're not gonna go over that. We're not gonna go over every single one today. But um, let's look at some questions here. What would be a client's disease risk classification if they had a BMI and value of 32 with a waist circumference of 42 inches, very high? Uh, which, would be, which of the following does not measure fat mass within the body? So they all um, measure fat mass in the body. <clears throat> At 5'11", 165, male would be, have an estimated BMI of 23. A client with a healthy level of body fat could potentially score as overweight according to BMI value due to muscle mass. So, true, right? Um, waist circumference indicates an increased risk for metabolic disease due to high visceral storage, visceral fat storage. So that's where if um, we're looking at uh, the waist circumference, like what is the waist circumference for men that uh, sig signifies obesity? Remember what, how many 30, inches? 38. Close. 40. 40. And for women? 35. 35. Good. <clears throat> All right. Which of the following is not measured among female clients when implementing the 2 3 girth estimation? So we know it's upper abdominal, hip circumference, and neck circumference, so you're not looking at the upper arm. 
What body fat percentage among males is considered obese? 25%. Okay, what body fat percent among females is considered initial obesity? 32. And what is the lowest percent of body fat considered to meet essential needs among females? 11%. Okay, what about for men? You remember? 5 to 8%. Yep. <clears throat> or 3 to 5, right? Nice, Carter. All right, so... Does anybody want to do any of these calculations on them in class today? Does anybody want to do hip to waist ratio? Uh, does anybody want to try the, the body fat for everybody? I mean, I don't want to push anybody to do that. I don't expect anybody to come up here and do it. But if you want to um, be a resource for us, we will use you. Does anybody want to do any of the calculations? What one do you want to do? Um. You want to do this, get your uh, lean mass. You want to find out how much lean mass you have on your body? All right. How old are you? 26. Athlete or normal? See, if I did athlete, would it change things? Maybe. But we want to go athlete or normal? All right, we'll go normal. How tall? 5'10". 5'10". How much do you weigh? Is that okay, Chris? Yeah. All right. All right. Who thinks he is at the moderate risk level? No. No. Who thinks we're at fitness level? No. No. Who thinks we're lean? Who thinks we're at essential? Who thinks we're just not just? Yeah, we're just at healthy. Uh, no. Who thinks we're at a healthy range? All right, not everybody raise their hand, so we're going to try that again. All right. <laughs> Who thinks it's that essential? Who thinks it's that lean? Three people, four people, five people, six people. All right. Who thinks it's fitness? One, two, three, four. So the other one is five. Who thinks that we're at healthy? All right. And who thinks we're at moderate risk or at high risk? Okay. 10.3% body fat. Wow. So, this dude is Well, who's skating all the time? Chris, right? Yeah. Skating all the time. It makes sense. Moving all the time. Young, okay. Got a haircut. All right. So, we're at, you said we're at 10.3. Let's just say 10 just for the sake of. Making it a little bit simpler. How much do you weigh? 175. 175. All right, so let's go 175 times 0.10. 0.10. Okay. 
equals seventeen point five. All right, let's go one seventy five minus seventeen point five. Okay, 157.5. So you have 157 pounds of lean mass out of your 175 pound frame. So that's really, really good. All right. Clap it up for Chris. Anybody else before we move on? All right, let's do it. Are we an athlete? Okay, how tall? Six foot. Five eleven. <laughs> six five six. How much you weigh? Two eleven. Essential. Who thinks we're at lean? Who thinks we're at fitness? Who thinks we're at healthy? Who thinks we're at moderate risk or high risk? Oh, wow. <laughs> Why? Because I'm diabetes. <laughs> wow, geez. We're at 16. Okay, so we're at healthy. He's in with me. We're in the healthy range, which is good. Could be, at, remember, he's at 16, but this could be, it could be 13. skin fold site assessment and we could get something totally different all right so let's find out how much lean mass we're working with how much was the weight 211 and we're at 16 so someone do 211 times 0.16 would you say all right, let's go 211 minus 33.7. Okay, 177. Okay, we've got about 178 pounds of lean mass on that frame. Clap it up for you. All right. We just have really just one video to watch, and you will probably be good to go unless you want to go over anything else because um, we only have uh, really one more PowerPoint, one more video to go over when it comes to weight management and body composition. So we've gone over, I think we did a good job uh, with these past two modules of getting it done. They're actually, the it was actually the shortest module, so that's why it makes sense. The next one's going to be a little bit rougher with the, the, the program, the programming, but we'll be doing a lot more applied. We'll actually be doing the exercises for the remainder of the semester. So that'll be better. Um, so make sure you come prepared for physical activity in the remainder of the semester. All right, so if you want, 
You can foam roll, stretch during this. If you, if you enjoy taking notes, which if, if you really want to do well at that test and you want to sit down and take notes, that's fine. Um, but we're going to go ahead and watch this nine-minute video, and then we'll go over any questions you have uh, after that. Oh, CAD. I didn't know what that was. What was it? It's a, it was an easy one. Yeah, crap, clever. Yeah. I used to do like AutoCAD in high school. It was like some drafting shit. Yeah. Nope. It's like making blueprints on a computer. But you use all acronyms for everything? Yeah, everything was acronyms. And I was like, mm, I don't yeah. want to say that. Did anyone use acronyms when they did anatomy and physiology when you're trying to in for insertions and origins? And like had like sheets just with random letters all over it? I know. That was the hardest course I ever took at Brockport was anatomy and physiology, biomechanics, and kinesiology. Those were all separate courses. Ugh, they were bad. All right. In this lesson, we will cover concepts related to obesity and body composition. It should be understood that obesity is a significant issue. The World Health Organization estimates nearly 2 billion adults are obese worldwide. These individuals suffer an increased risk for most diseases. Obesity is associated with diabetes, various cancers, heart disease, hypertension, sleep apnea, asthma, arthritis, and complications during pregnancy, among other issues. Now body fat is essential and serves key roles in the body. Problems arise with an excess of body fat. Essential body fat is a healthy quantity of fat present in nerve tissues, bone marrow, and organs. Loss below defined essential fat values compromises health significantly. For males, this is 3 to 5% body fat. And for females, it is 11 to 14% body fat. Females need to store greater total quantities due to specific reproductive functions. Excess body fat, or obesity, also varies by sex. For males, any value equal to or greater than 25% and females, any value greater than or equal to 32% body fat is considered obese. Fat serves a number of key roles for both sexes, including the transportation and storage of vitamins and lipids, the formation of cell membranes, the provision of insulation and organ protection, assistance in the functioning of the nervous system, and assistance in the formation of hormones. Body fat distribution and total fat is determined by genetics and sex. The three major types of storage fat include. Does anybody remember the three major types? Essential? I think we're talking about saturated, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, but I could be wrong. How much percent? Before we get into fat, how much percent of our total caloric, or, yeah, how many, uh, what percent of our daily calories from fat should be saturated? Like not a lot, right? Right, well, do you remember the number? Is it 10? Yep, less than 10%. What, less than 1% is, is what? What is that though? Trans fats, right? All right, and then what are the other two fats besides saturated? Polyunsaturated. Poly and mono, okay. And 
Polyunsaturated fats, where do we get those from? Anybody have one example? That's vitamin A. Are you looking for a specific type of food, like a specific food? Yeah, what food has monounsaturated fat? Um, that would probably be poly, but you can double check me on that. Mono, it, then it probably, then you're probably right, walnuts, uh, olive oil, and then my, uh, polyunsaturated fats, sunflower, safflower. But they, they'll probably go over that. See. Subcutaneous, intramuscular, yeah, that wasn't the right, and that Subcutaneous <laughs> fat is a layer of fat. Not even close. <laughs> It is the largest storage site in the body. That's a, that was the last module. It's found as deposits stored within skeletal muscle fibers. And visceral fat is stored within the abdomen. Okay. So that's really important. Subcutaneous fat, that's the fat underneath the skin. They usually want you to know these three types of fat. Yep, I was a little off on this, this one. Does, does that one come off first? Which one comes off first, like if you're that's a good question. I, I don't know, maybe. I would I say, um, I would say the visceral fat would probably be first. That would be my guess, but I'd have to get the fact. It is the largest storage site in the body. Intramuscular fat is found as deposits stored within skeletal muscle fibers. And visceral fat is stored within the... So that intramuscular fat, when you look at like a steak, and you see the, the fat inside the muscle, that's what intramuscular fat is, okay? Whereas the subcutaneous is below the skin, there's like a layer of fat. And then the visceral fat, that surrounds ma the major organs. The muscle fibers. And visceral fat is stored within the abdomen, surrounding the organs. High visceral fat is associated with a greater risk for disease and systemic inflammation. Yeah, and they'll, they'll talk about it, but the gynoid obesity, when you have more of this, this is easier to lose than a, than a pear-shaped body, and I think that's what they'll allude to. There are various fat storage patterns. The two main types are referred to as android and android. gynoid storage. Android storage is characterized by central or an apple-shaped fat pattern. It is associated with a greater risk for cardiometabolic disease, but it is relatively easier to lose. This is due to receptors in visceral fat, which make it easier to metabolize and use for fuel. This storage type is more common among males. Gynoid storage is characterized by a pear-shaped fat pattern. The hips, glutes, and thighs carry a greater quantity of fat. This pattern is not associated with as great of risk for disease, but it is harder to lose due to different receptors in fat cells within the region. This storage type is more common among females. Let's progress by covering assessments for body composition, starting with indirect measures. Indirect methods of assessing body fat include height weight tables, body mass index or BMI, waist circumference, and the waist to hip ratio. Height weight tables are seriously outdated for use within the fitness industry. They were originally designed to predict mortality rates associated with body size to determine insurance premiums. BMI has replaced height weight tables in clinical environments and should be the baseline indirect measure used by fitness professionals when applicable. As covered in a previous lesson, BMI includes using height and weight to obtain a body density measure. 
which is used to predict the risk for disease and premature mortality. The metric equation is weight in kilograms divided by height in meters squared. However, BMI does not consider actual body fat, so more muscular clients can be categorized as obese. A BMI greater than or equal to 30 is considered obese, regardless of body fat percentage. Waist circumference is useful and easy to implement. As a single measurement, it can estimate the risk for cardiometabolic diseases as it examines visceral fat. A value greater than 40 inches for males and greater than 34.5 inches for females equals a high risk for disease. It is even more useful when combined with BMI or other circumference measures. It is taken while standing and runs directly across the belly button. Waist to hip ratio works better than BMI alone for predicting disease risk, but may actually be less effective than waist circumference independently. This is because significant body fat in the lower body can reduce the ratio even if the client possesses high visceral fat, which underestimates the person's risk. In any case, values greater than 0.9 for males and 0.8 for females can indicate a higher risk for health issues. Let's finalize this lesson by covering direct body composition assessments, which are preferred as they actually estimate a body fat percentage. Clinical assessments include dual X-ray absorptiometry or DEXA scans, hydrostatic weighing, and air displacement plethysmography. Field assessments can include circumference measures, skinfold measures, and bioelectrical impedance. The clinical assessments are not usually used in the fitness industry due to their high expense and need for specialized equipment. We do have a bod pod if you want to go to the rec center. I think you can set one up for free. So if you want to use our bod pod at the rec center, you can get a really good accurate uh, account for how much body fat you actually have. And need for specialized equipment. DEXA scans are used in research settings to assess all bodily components, including bone mineral, fat, and lean tissue. It is considered the gold standard for body composition measurement. Hydrostatic or underwater weighing uses the principle of buoyancy to estimate body composition. It is second only to DEXA scans in accuracy. However, due to the need to hold one's breath underwater for a slightly extended period of time with specialized equipment attached, it is not very user-friendly. Air displacement plethysmography, commonly known as the bot pod, measures air displacement in a specialized chamber to estimate body composition. It is easy to implement, but the chamber is expensive. Field assessments, on the other hand, are the bread and butter of body composition testing for fitness professionals. As detailed in a previous lesson, circumference measures are easy to perform, require minimal equipment, and are preferred for obese clients. They can predict body composition and determine regional storage. Skinfold measures require pinching of subcutaneous fat with a specialized caliber to estimate body composition. They are the favorite choice for leaner clients. Various sites and equations can be used, but the three-site Jackson-Pollock protocol is preferred. Finally, bioelectrical impedance, or BIA, is a popular assessment in gyms, especially using the handheld instruments available. The instrument measures resistance to an electrical current ran through the body. The greater the resistance, the higher the body fat.
as fat contains less water for conduction of the current than muscle. BIA may be user-friendly, but the accuracy of instruments vary. Compared to the 3 to 5% standard estimation of error in clinical settings when using actual electrodes. However, it may be useful for some clients when combined with other tests, such as circumference measures. But various guidelines must be followed to reduce the potential for measurement error. These can include no eating or drinking within four hours of the test. Yeah, Eugene, did you eat this morning? Did you eat this? No. No exercise or strenuous work within 12 hours of the test. No alcohol consumption for at least 24 hours before the test. Using the restroom as possible right before the test. No using the test during menstruation. And not using any diuretic medications or caffeine the day of the test. This concludes the lesson on obesity and body composition. All right. One other thing I wanted to talk about, two other things I want to go over before y'all head out, was the Cunningham continued uh, using, using your fat-free mass. You can also find out your RMR, okay? So we have 178 pounds of fat-free mass. Let's have someone try a calculation for me. Jamie, you got me? Yeah. All right, we're going to go 21.6 times 78, or 178. Times 178? Yeah, 21.6 times 178. 3,844. 3, 3,844. 3, okay, let's go 370 plus 384. Really? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, go ahead and go 3, 3,844 plus 370. Plus 370? Yeah. Oh, wait. Why is that fat-free mass? Maybe it's your fat. Okay, hold on. Let's try something else here, real quick. I think that's the wrong one. Not sure why that's not fat mass weight. It should be your fat free mass. 21.6 times 178. You said it was 3,800? Yeah, 3,800. Okay, and then plus 370. Okay. I don't know why that one doesn't look right to me. Resting metabolic rate, 4,214. Um, that doesn't seem right. I'm going to have to look at that one. So, let's see this. kilograms. That's what we did wrong. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. So we need to take 178 um, and divide it by 2.2. 2. 
So this is another way that you can find out your resting metabolic rate without having to use the what equation, if you remember. Remember what that one, the one we this Harris-Benedict equation, okay? That's why it didn't work because we didn't convert to kilograms, so that's a huge thing. The last thing, um, I, I've had students asking me about nutrition certifications for nutrition coaching, and if you want to check out precision, Nutrition, oops. Supposedly, um, one of the number one online nutrition certifications by Business Insider. Um, they work with uh, different uh, organizations like the Spurs, the, Ma the Maple Leafs, Seattle Seahawks, Houston Rockets. So if you're looking to become a nutrition coach, precision, precision nutrition is probably the best um, nutrition certifications you can get. You can get a $200 off of the certification if you're a member of mbsc.tv, um, which I am, um, which is only, I think, like 30 bucks a month. And that gives you seminars to some of the best um, talks, anatomy seminars, uh, coaching meetings from one of the best Gyms, you know, ranked by Men's Health. So the number one gym in America, rated by Men's Health, is called Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning. He has his own website called mbsc.tv, where he posts all of their staff meetings, all of the seminars that have ever come to their facility, which the best seminars do, like FMS, and like some of the best trainers go there and teach. And then they also give discounts for stuff like precision nutrition. So if you were serious about this certification and you wanted $200 off, you could join that website for 30 bucks a month to get a $200 off savings coupon for precision nutrition. So that would be a way to get uh, maybe $170 off of that certification just by joining for one month. But if you are interested in becoming a nutrition coach, I would definitely check out Precision Nutrition, do, do uh, some research on them, go to their YouTube page, see what they're all about. They, they have a really good way, simple way of teaching nutrition if that's what you want to do in the future. All right. Also, if you're a certified personal trainer, then you want to have add-on training certificates, certificates, like maybe it's yoga, maybe it's mobility, but nutrition would definitely be on my high priority list if you plan on being a trainer in the next five years, because if you can easily talk about macros and micros and if you can calculate all these equations that we've been doing in the past couple of weeks you're going to be very valuable for either your fitness facility or a company um, i've had a recent graduate um, is paving a way into encino has anyone ever heard of encino corporation here they're a big corporation they stem from live oak bank live oak bank they have a huge corporate wellness center and they have trainers and they have um, fitness coordinators there. They have people that um, 
will assess their clients and all the, uh, the people that work for Live Oak. And I have a, one of my students who's looking to create a nutrition program for Encino because a lot of these corporations don't have nutrition programs. They just have like personal training or fitness programs. They don't have a lot of nutrition coaching. So if you can bring that to a facility, most facilities, most gyms will maybe have, have like meal plans, but they typically don't have people that are good nutrition educators. So that can be a service or a role you can play at a big major corporation like Live Oak Bank because they don't really have that right now. You could look at all of the people that go to the bank and that are members of the gym and you can take all their data and RMR and you can tell them based on their calculations what they need to eat and how they need to go about losing a certain amount of weight. And that could be your niche as opposed to being a personal trainer or a group fitness instructor. You could be more behind the scenes looking at calculations and doing a lot of data set and numbers with Excel spreadsheets, if that's what you like, to help people maintain or lose weight at that corporation, which improves, or which is really good for their health insurance, right? It lowers the premiums because less people are lo losing work because of obesity, okay? So definitely precision nutrition would be one big step toward that. What was the um, website that you joined for? MBSC.TV. So MBSC.TV, this is, oops. This is probably the most influential site I have ever, um, and you get a seven day free trial. So you might even be able to get that coupon with a seven day free trial. Um, but Mike Boyle, he um, has won World Series rings, he's won Stanley Cup, um, he has worked with NFL, NBA, MLB, soccer, pro hockey, he was the men's uh, Olympic hockey, or hockey strength coach when they won the Olympics in the 70s. He's been around the industry for 30, 40 years, this guy. He's not, he's very, upfront and blunt. He's super against certain things. He believes that there are good exercises and there are bad exercises. And he has probably the simplest, best way of teaching and training that's the most practical. Whereas when you get into some programs, it's all about periodization and like leading that, that uh, competitor to like, you know, uh, peak at a certain time. But that's but all those mentalities like Olympic weightlifting are for Olympic weightlifters. So he's really good at teaching athletes and the general pop. And when you go to his site, they have all their staff meetings. Like I said, all the seminars, like with FMS, Chris used this site to help him land a job, maybe, potentially. You wanna tell them about that? It was just a slight internship. Yeah, slight yeah. internship, okay. <laughs> But hey, he knew what to say and he knew, you know, kind of, he said that, you know, that the, he needed to know like the transverse plane and the anatomical planes in his interview. They wanted to know if he knew that kind of stuff. So, were you about to say something? Oh, you no, know, I was curious. Is that the guy based out of Boston? Yeah, he's based out of Boston. It's crazy. My business class had a, we did a video on him. Dude. And it, like, it he changed my mind crazy. about everything. Cardio, nutrition, I mean not nutrition, nutrition is pretty basic for me, but when it came to cardio and strength training, I didn't know anything until, like I, now I feel like a couple of years ago. I, I felt like I was training like horse crap compared to what I can train now with his programming. And all of his programming is on his site for the past 10 years. So you can see how it's evolved 
He's got all of his exercises on the website. He's got all power exercises. He's got, you search in like conditioning and there's probably three or four seminars or lectures on it. So really informational site, probably after NCSF, once you, you've been in the industry for a couple of years training, you're gonna wanna level up to a new certification or re get recertified. But I would probably move in this direction and, and get maybe the certified functional strength coach certification. All right, sorry I exhausted your time, so we'll see you all on Tuesday. When do you want to meet before? So, did you email me back? Okay. Um, so, I can tomorrow, like 9 or 9.15. Okay. Do you have anything today or no? Right now? Like the second? I could probably do it. We could probably do it right now. Oh, sure. My class got canceled after this, so now I'm free. Yeah. Bye, Carly. Oh, yeah. Perfect. All right. So... Yeah, you can sit down and I can just show it, show it to you. Okay. How many semesters do you have, you think you have left, or were you figuring? Um, two. Two? Like graduate spring next year. Same with Carly, do yes. you have like the same schedule?